So, hello everybody. Welcome back to the talk. I'm your host Arun Yadav with your co-host Arjun Yadav. And great. And uh today today we have many special things lined up. For one, uh Arjun, do you know that we're sponsored? Uh no, I was not aware. Yeah, that's right. We're not sponsored. Uh oh, and great. today we have a very special guest. We ha- we have a very special guest who needs absolutely no introduction. but whenever uh, people say that a person needs no introduction they go ahead and give one anyways so aman if you could uh, please introduce yourself to our very lovely audience that's listening to us hi all right of course so well firstly i am very grateful that you've invited me to this podcast so i'm mohammad aman siddiqui i've recently just graduated from high school i reside here in the united arab emirates and i will be pursuing Bachelor of Arts in International Studies in the American University of Sharjah. Now I find myself to be an empath, really enthusiastic about international relations and helping those around me. So yeah, I guess that's about it. Oh, that's great to hear. Uh, uh, case, you are also an. Oh yeah, go ahead, Arjun. Uh, in case our audience is not aware, uh, Aman actually has a blog which will be linked in the show notes. Yeah, so the vigilant mind and Aman, you're also an MUN expert or. maybe expert is putting it to lightly but you've experienced over what is it now 24 uh, MUNs ah uh, yes that's right and and uh if we could actually uh, do, do you have uh, and are you chief advising an MUN that's going on right now the one world MUN yes yes i am right uh so if we could kind of start off with how did you begin your journey into this uh you know sort of MUN sphere like how did that begin All right. Now, MUN is all about. It's mostly about politics and governments. Mostly, well, that's the topic sphere. Apart from how it affects the students' personal skills, all of that comes later. But for me, what mattered most was representing a nation and solving problems. I've been interested in political affairs and religious affairs as well since like 2014, because that's when I was first exposed to the entire. scenario that was going around in middle east especially in palestine that's what got my attention to wanting to do something good because at least in 2014 the palestinian issue had alarming news so that gave me interest in religious and political affairs now later on in like ninth grade that's when i found out about model un so it was actually my mother who is also in the field of academics in another school so she told me about model un conferences and i wanted to be a part of it so i started looking up on how model un works so in ninth grade i observed one day of winchester model united nations conference here in united arab emirates itself and in 10th grade around october 2017 that's when i did my first mun conference and i really enjoyed it and i've been doing mun conferences ever since it's been my primary extracurricular obviously not the only thing i did but most of my time went into muns because it was really something that was that was it was fun for me like i got to meet friends i got to make new friends i got to express my political opinions and mun is a very versatile field as a person you can develop in so many ways whether it's writing public speaking confidence lobbying critical thinking debate there's just so much involved in mun so it seems like it's the best extracurricular in my eyes if you're someone interested in politics and want to improve a wide skill set of yours 
Wow, that's lovely. Uh, so your first MUN with Winchester was the one where you also won your first Best uh, best Delegate Award, was it? Yes, that that's true. And, and um, uh, a question I kind of had was, with your first MUN experience, was it like, uh, I don't know if this is phrase correct, but was it love on first sight? Because if I, if I talk to a lot of uh, other people who've done MUNs too, initially they kind of hated it. But the more they dwelled into it, they they sort of fell in love after that. But for you, was it sort of this love love at first sight kind of moment with MUNs? Yes, for me it was. Well, MUNs are subjective. There isn't any uniform rules of procedure or any uniform style that MUNs go with. Like when it comes to ROP, there's so many different versions of it depending on which region it originated it. And it also depends a lot on the topic on the committee, whether you got assigned to something that you really wanted or if you've been assigned to something that wasn't your first preference. It also depends on your chairs, whether they were supportive, whether they were good moderators, whether they knew how to properly tackle shy delegates and first timers. So being subjective, it's understandable why a lot of first timers wouldn't like it. But fortunately for me, my chairs at Winmoon 2017 were really good and I should name them. Um, it was Shadi and Abhimanyu Barua. So if you're out there listening to this, thank you for that. Once again, you were truly an inspiration for me. And as for my best delegate award in my very first conference, that goes to my determination because that was the goal I set for myself. So I kept aside the thought that experience is intimidating. Well, it can be if you look at it that way. But at the end, it all comes down to how determined you were and how much work you put into that conference and how your confidence played out. Now, it would be unfair if I said I wasn't scared. Obviously, I was. But what matters is whether you come off confident or not, not whether you were scared inside. So being able to suppress that fear in me also greatly helped in getting that first award. Uh, actually, uh, right. Aman, I had a question for you. So ever since the uh, COVID-19 pandemic, of course, MUNs have not stopped. There has been a slew of many online MUNs. So what do you think is the main difference between online MUNs and physical MUNs that were happening last year? Do you think that online MUNs are a waste of time or can can it be like a good starting point or it can be a good alternative? It's definitely not a waste of time. And I do believe it's a good starting point because most online conferences are free, at least in the United Arab Emirates, most online conferences are free. Um, as for what I've seen them come up in India, they're paid, but they're very cheap. So their prices would be between 5 and $15. So if you were to compare this to an actual conference, the price difference is huge because when it comes to online, you don't have the organizers don't have to worry about campus fees food, logistics, electricity, and whatnot. So as a starting point for someone who wouldn't want to risk a lot of money on the line, online conferences are great. But I feel like the standard of Model UN has really gone down because of how easy it is to host and host a conference online. Because a lot of people are hosting conferences not because they really want to or because they specialize in their field, but just because they'll get that on their CV that they've hosted a conference. So in that way, these standards really fall down. And as I said before, MUNs really also depend on the kind of chairs you get. So with so many conferences being out there, it's hard to get good chairs because you really have to stand out then. And considering that it's free, 
delegates and chairs who suddenly decide that they don't want to attend a conference they just don't attend the conference because there's no money on the line in in a physical conference when you pay for it you actually attend it because if you don't then you're an, you're an, you're on a loss but that's not the case with online conferences so there's a lot of pros and cons for a first timer if you look at it from a monetary point of view then it's a better way to go about it but because of dropout rates the experience the delegate will have at an online conference that might not be the best one i've observed a few online conferences and there have been instances where because of the delegates not because of the delegates not actually showing up the number of delegates in a certain committee have literally gone down under 10 and sometimes even under 5 so in that case even though those five delegates joined for free they're not going to have that good of an experience because their committee isn't going to sustain itself so there's pros and cons obviously we can't really cite to a single line yeah i totally agree i actually previously attended stay at home mall united nations and at the first there were many delegates but at the end there was only like six or seven of us and I still found it enjoyable but I knew that it would have been more fun if there was some because it often happens with us if it's something is free we don't have any incentive to stay we can just leave if we want because we didn't spend any money um I'll give Aryan the right uh, Arjun uh so you you won best delegate at this conference right how uh, how how was that uh, how how was the level of debate would you say uh for your topic uh yeah so my topic just so the audience and aman knows the topic was how can tensions at the korean border be deescalated the debate was frankly not good many of the delegates that were siding with north korea first of all north korea and south korea left halfway during the conference and those are the two countries that have the most to debate about because they're literally in the front line of this agenda in and Russia who was saying North Korea made really silly arguments and but there were still some delegates like the delegate of Israel Canada Venezuela India they were all very good they all actually had good points of informations and good debate so i think the level of debate it was not the greatest but it was not horrible as also right actually uh i wanted to ask uh, aman do you think even though there is almost absolutely no requirement for a person to start sort of um, create an online amyon a host one do you think this is sort of um, a blessing in a way for because so like there are so many amyons that any beginner or anybody who's even advanced in this kind of field can you know if if they decide they, like okay so let me take an example so there is uh, this one guy i think his name is adil he was there in a a conference i had recently mooncraft which you were chief advising and he basically he told me that on the day of the mun conference he had he had two conferences uh, happening happening simultaneously and so would you say there is sort of a pro in a way with so many conferences being held that people can really garner experience and once we sort of shift back to the real world mun they can sort of make that jump from delegate to chair quite easily now yes of course um online conferences have a greater field of benefits if you look at it that way the only big loss that could potentially come because of online conferences is going to be for first timers who might end up joining a conference that isn't 
that well planned out if they let their bad experience in that conference define MUN as a whole then then there's a problem there so as long as delegates recognize that MUNs are subjective and that physical MUNs will always yield a better experience and be more beneficial in terms of developing one's skill sets then then online conferences right so you've sort of uh, you, so you've conducted a lot of workshops right for MUNs and like several schools right yes uh, so what is the approach in like teaching people how to MUN like what how how do you go about uh advising people junior to you like to sort of get into the world of MUNs right now that depends on the subject that i advise them on because when it comes to MUN if you were to advise someone about MUN in general then it's going to go horribly bad to be honest so the fir- the workshop i gave at pace international that was an introductory workshop so what i did there was just explain the basics of united nations and MUN so i did not discuss rules of procedure we only we i gave them i gave them activities where they researched on a topic of their choice so we presented about six topics and each each person who was sitting there could pick their own and they could or could not pick a country it was totally up to them because what matters most for a first timer is how well they're able to understand and deal with the topic the country part comes later on so we discussed the basics of united nations and why it exists not its no trivia questions not when it was formed not where its headquarters is honestly all that stuff is useless for an MUNer it doesn't really come in handy so we discussed the basics and we discussed how to make opening speeches and how to debate and as for rules of procedure we only discussed the purpose of why there are different procedures so if you look at UNA USA Harvard MUN and Thaimun then the major difference between UNA USA and Thaimun would be Thaimun is for delegates who like making draft resolutions una usa is sort of balanced it doesn't give too much emphasis on draft resolutions it gives more emphasis on debates and moderated caucus so as for rop we only discussed the purposes because after the introductory session that's when delegates can choose to learn the rop which suits them best so if a delegate wants to focus on technicalities and solutions they can simply opt for thaimon now Another specialized workshop that I gave was in Gems New Millennium School that was on draft resolutions in specific so obviously rules of procedure don't matter at all at all there and there weren't really that many first timers but there still were a few but we focused on draft resolutions in specific so when it comes to advising delegates on MUN there has to be a goal in mind you can't advise someone about MUN entirely if you wish to do so then it has to be divided in multiple segments now there's this program that my friends and i are leading and it's called your moon coach um i'll i'm serving as chief advisor for that as well and that also that's basically advising participants on mun in general but it's, it's not a single class it's kind of like a course so around 5 weeks where we touch every single segment So yeah when it comes to advising people in MUN you really have to know what you're advising them in specific can't really beat around the bush at all uh amal i actually had one question uh so i am somebody who's quite new to mall united nations i never really understood the difference between thaimun harvard mun and uh, also una usa 
why is there any particular reason why we just don't have one set of rules instead of three or even more i i've never really thought about it if to be honest like why there's a difference but the most logical explanation i can get is because it touches different skill sets now i haven't attended a pure harvard mun conference cuz you probably know united arab emirates mun conferences kind of make like a mixed up our mixed up set of rules yeah. and procedures we don't exactly align or affiliate ourselves with an international organization so that gives us the freedom to mix certain rules and make our own innovative changes now with that aside the difference i can tell you between una usa and and hmon in comparison to thaimon it's going to be content of debate versus solutions so if you've attended harvard conferences and una usa conferences you'd notice there's a lot of emphasis given on debating the topic at hand so delegates discuss what the problem is in great detail and they discuss their country's relevance to the problem in great detail as well because that's how the conference in those formats starts you start up with gsl then you go into moderated unmoderated then you get to draft resolutions but it's completely different when it comes to thaimon at max the only speeches that aren't related to a resolution are going to be at the start of the conference which is opening speeches and not every time in conference does opening speeches either they straight away move into lobbying which is if we are speaking in una usa terms every unmoderated caucus ever combined into one glorious big one so a two hour lobbying session is where all resolutions are created and every minute of the conference after that lobbying session is spent on discussing resolutions so if you're someone who wants to focus on your solutions technicality and writing skills then thaimon would be your place if you want to focus more on public speaking in general drafting speeches and research then una usa would be your place to go so i think a mix of all of these extremes would be best like i think thaimon and una usa are a bit too extreme with them focusing on draft resolutions or more caucuses so like a mix of them would be a better solution isn't the una usa a mix yeah uh sorry uh, might have misspoke uh like uh, the harvard mun i think it's more about uh, moderate caucuses well no all of these conferences have draft resolutions it's just that thaimon gives a lot more emphasis on um yeah that's what i meant sorry yeah I think it really depends on the type of delegates you have because when it comes to giving so many moderated caucus one of the major issues i've realized is delegates blame other nations half the time so they don't exactly work productively towards solutions now thaimon doesn't allow moderated caucuses at all that kind of prevents finger pointing for the most part except during draft resolution discussion if anyone is able to make their point relevant it completely diverts focus on coming up with solutions and technical uh also also uh, aman i had uh, just one more question for you so uh, as you are quite uh, popular as i might say you uh, in january of last year i believe you were uh, you had win moon then you had to chair for dsmun and what's something uh, sorry i think this was uh, this year sorry was something is that 12th graders are usually quite busy during january so how did you manage to do all of these things while being in such a uh, such a period well it all comes from interest if you are interested in something you make time for it now 
for someone who was in 12th grade and studied an Indian curriculum, January is the time we have our pre-boards, but our boards only come up in March. Now, I attended three MUN conferences in January, among other things, during my pre-boards, but it was fine because 12th pre-boards don't really have that much, that much weighted. So I did compromise a little on academics over there, but... For the most part, I managed to keep my average stable as I was the entire year, the entire year. So I think I pride myself on time management because I had my priorities that time clear. I knew what I wanted to do and I knew what I had to get done in that year. So if you're interested, then you can always make time for something. Uh, and with this, uh, it comes up the issue of time management. You know, many of us teenagers and uh, even adults have like issues with time management. We someone like me takes up too much uh, too many commitments and then i don't i feel like i have no time for all of those so what uh, what do you think is like a good i know everybody's different but what do you think is like a general rule of thumb for time management for you well i think when it comes to time management you can't really advise someone on it because it's something subjective to different people they organize themselves and they plan their lives out in a manner that is most comfortable to them so it's going to be a trial and error method obviously i wasn't born knowing how i'm going to manage my time i've i've had my rough times in life where i felt stressed where there was too much work where i ended up taking taking up work, which was more than I could handle. So, you know, you just have to find what works best for you. You're going to have certain failures you come across, but what's important is you keep looking ahead progressively and you keep trying to find lessons in all of your attempted plans that failed. For me, one of the things that work best is to avoid procrastination because procrastination is the biggest barrier that comes for someone in managing their time, right? So the best way I feel to combat procrastination is if you remind yourself all the times that you put yourself in a difficult and stressful spot because of procrastinating, obviously you'd not want to be in that spot once again. So if you keep that in mind, for me at least it makes it easier to manage my time because I know if I don't manage it, the spot I land in is not something that is pleasant to me. Yeah, so, uh, yeah, yes, uh, Aryan, you can uh, go on. Uh, yeah, uh, can I be heard? Uh, Arjun. Could yes, I yes, we heard? can hear you. Oh, okay, lovely. Uh, so, Aman, you do uh, run a blog, and um, I just want to know, what was um, the approach to writing that? How did that sort of kick off? Well, although I didn't have a blog from that much before from when I started in October 2017 what I used to do instead is if there's something that I wanted an audience to know I just posted it on my Instagram story but then people started asking me why do I still rely on my on my social media platforms instead of making a centralized location for where I post all my content at so when someone asked me that it really got me thinking because that is a good idea because otherwise if I just use Insta then it's kind of cluttering a lot of different things, um, activism and social issues, personal pictures, memes and everything come together. And that's not necessarily the best thing for the kind of audience I had. So I figured if I, if I made a blog, then I could not only reach out to wider audiences, but it could also be something that I'm dedicated towards. So it motivated me to continue writing 
content that will help teenage audience and it also improved my reach because again not everyone has an instagram account to constantly check up on your stories and again instagram stories don't remain for longer than 24 hours but blog posts are going to be there until i choose to delete them or something happens to the site so it's going to be my followers recommendations and my personal thought over which field would be better for me to have better reach and longer outcomes right and so so one of the things i feel especially with writing is that sense of a writer's block more so i feel like there is a need especially when writing stuff that you have to keep the voice of the audience in the back of your head so almost as if you have to create for your audience and not for yourself almost eventually and you know like so i feel like that kind of hinders um my output and you know it it, it becomes it becomes sort of this nagging um you know nagging voice which tells you you know this is what you have to write you know people are not going to laugh at this joke which is you know clearly not very funny and i just want to know how do you approach that because you've now sort of been blogging for 2 years uh, and you started off because you know instagram stories were not enough but do you like like instagram stories do you feel like you have to now tailor what you write um similarly how you post on your stories like do you feel like you have to really tailor it to you know uh, or pander towards your audience and not what not towards what you um really feel like writing sometimes it's going to be a mix of both you can't you can't write totally what you want to nor can you write exactly how you how your audience would want to perceive it that the only thing that influences is going to be your reach because if you only write for yourself then it affects your reach now for someone who isn't writing because they want views or because they want to make that big of a change they wouldn't really tailor their writing according to their audience but for me that's something i do to a certain extent and it also depends on the topic because i can't follow a uniform style of writing because my the kind of posts i do write differ so my latest post was about the new education policy in india so as for that i didn't really tailor it for anyone the only thing i kept in mind is that i don't come i don't come off as anti national but only someone who is criticizing certain parts of the policy while also appreciating the good sides so that's the only thing i had in mind but when i talk about topics like mental health then i have to keep in mind that i don't say or write something that might come across as offensive to someone who is facing issues and it has to be in a way that people who don't have experience with those issues are still able to understand it and when i wrote about the story of my life in the last decade that time also my my writing style according to my audience it wasn't the same as before um what i focused on there is that i draw out the lessons that i learned in life and not just give objective information about how my 10 years went so it really depends it depends for me on the topic that i'm writing on and it's a balance of both tailoring it according to your audience but also writing what exactly you want to write because if you chose only the latter then it would mean you've kind of lost yourself and you've entered the clickbait culture and that's just not the wisest thing to do if you're an I'd like to ask you a question so uh, i was reading some of your blog posts and there was one very uh, big one that was sort of like 
uh, synopsis of your whole decade, the story of my decade, right? Uh, so there was uh, one piece of text that you wrote, like you used to do some bad activities, like maybe you threw water bottles or something, something kind of petty. Do you think that uh, now that you said you were like decent in your own words, um, do you think now being something from like a bad kid to someone who's a lot more well-refined and mature, do you think it's something easy to do or is it something hard? And also, is it worth it to do something? Well, as far as the um, quote-unquote bad activities that I talked about in that post go, I'm pretty sure I was referring to when I was a child. So that goes to like, primary school or like even earlier probably kindergarten or something so I don't exactly think you can compare that time to now because obviously your mental skills and how you mature over time is greatly different and you can't exactly call people bad it's just certain decisions that go wrong and ultimately progressive thoughts would say that we learn from our mistakes and improve ourselves as a person but giving labels would not be the best way to go yeah of course i was just trying to uh like you know just uh, see how transforming from somebody who is quite immature to somebody who is more mature would uh be something quite difficult regardless uh i'd like to talk about uh we could just uh, continue the model united nations discussion uh if Aryan would like to speak um so if Aryan wants to speak Okay, I'm not sure if he's uh, present right now, but uh, regardless. So in Model United Nations, you know, there are people who are extremely nervous, who uh, some people who are going to their first online, albeit Model United Nations for the first time. Well, what would you say to them if they're extremely uh, anxious? What would you say to them uh, if they were going to their first model United Nations in a week or so? Well, if it comes to a first timer who feels anxious because it's their first time, then all that matters is that they channel their interest and passion towards model UN in the best way possible. So they have to put an effort. They have to talk to themselves about not letting the experience of others be intimidating for them. Because I'll use a personal story here. It was in my second MUN where I also won Best Delegate. The runner-up had, as at least that's what I heard, 13 MUN experiences and over five to, I guess, about nine Best Delegate Awards. And that was just my second MUN. So I was told if you want to continue your streak from your first, it's going to be very difficult because there's people way more experienced than you. Well, it affected me in the start, but then I remembered the ideology I followed. What matters most in the end is going to be your effort, your hard work, and the passion and interest you have for that field that steers you through it. And that's how I got through that barrier. I put in that effort. And yeah, and apart from that, I understand some people might worry about how much sense they make. So that comes down to their research and how well they're able to structure their argument. That is also something that comes with trial and error and being able to effectively put together the information that they have. And as far as confidence is concerned, some people think that if they mess up in public public speaking, in an MUN at least, people are going to remember it and people might bully them for it. But from experience, that's not true. They might for a short period of time, but that's also rare, but it doesn't happen. So if you put your passion and interest on the front, 
and you try your best to suppress your fears, then it gets easier to go through. At least that's how, that's how it works for me. But obviously, it can't be the same for anyone else. Not everyone's going to get a Best Delegate Award in their first conference. So it will end up being a trial and error thing. They are going to have certain falls. But what matters most is that they stay progressive in their thinking. They find where they went wrong and they improve themselves for the next for their future conferences and not think that they weren't made for MUNs just because they didn't do as well as they expected in their first. Growth mindset with you, right? Once you're approaching like any activity in general, you should kind of like be ready to fail, but then grow from that, right? Yes, obviously. Right. Um, so one of the questions I had now, being a 12th grader, there is this scary decision to uh, forge a career or forge a, like where you want to go uh, ahead after 12th and um so one of the biggest problems i'd say for most of us 12th graders is now we're kind of succumbed to staying in the house and i get the general idea with most students that we really don't get we don't have a clear idea of what to do in the future and um i, I just want to know how did you um sort of um uh, decide on getting a degree in international uh, relations in uh, American University of Sharjah. What was that? Because the the kind of uh, so for most of us twelfth graders, it's we we really don't know where or what what will happen a year from now. So how did you approach choosing your degree? That's true. Well, to be honest, um, how it was for me and how it is for the current twelfth graders is very different because. Fortunately, in my time, there wasn't a pandemic affecting my decisions, but it's it's very different now. So how it went for me isn't how it's going to go for anyone else, especially at a time like this. But what I did was basically a mix of elimination and following my interests. Now, a lot of people think that you should know what career or what profession exactly you're going to take after you graduate, but I don't think that's entirely important what's most important is that you know which field you're going through because your three to four years of university will give you so many more opportunities will teach you so many more things you can shape your profession and career decisions in those four fields so as for now the the 12th graders should focus on what field they want like I'm going to be studying international studies, but if you were to ask me, where do I see myself in four years? What do I see myself working as? I wouldn't have an answer except for to say that I'll be happy and contempt with whatever job I have and be reaching my goals of helping those around me. I don't have the details of how that will work out, but I believe that time will open more doors and I'll be able to tap those opportunities, inshallah. So for now, focusing on which field you want is most important. Then as for university, the degree and rank of university is not as important as the skills you develop, the network you develop, and how you use your opportunities in university. So all of that is much more important. And there's obviously the entire issue of how expensive international tuition fees is. So yeah, affordability also plays a great role in this. Right. Um what was what was the kind of uh, so did you uh, have any sort of plans to study abroad as well yes i did i did um i initially planned on studying outside in the in canada or united kingdom but the problem with going abroad is obviously high tuition fees 
lack of scholarship opportunities. And I also have a brother who will be beginning his undergraduate studies the moment I end my undergraduate studies. So I can't exactly expect all the focus to go to me because there's a sibling as well, a family to sustain as well. And yeah, the opportunities for scholarship that I had in American University of Sharjah, they turned out to be much better than abroad. And again, as I said before, the degree and rank of university isn't everything. The way you utilize your opportunities also matter. And when it comes to staying here for me, I fortunately have a network that I built with schools through workshops and everything. So I do hope to do something more on those lines in these four years and beyond. Right. Um, I, 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 so what I'm going to say now isn't exactly true, but I want to get your perception uh, on this. So UAE universities get this sort of flack for not being very good, uh, quote unquote. And, you know, they, they, they say you kind of pay Ivy League fees, but, you know, you don't exactly get the same experience. Do you think that's warranted or or does it go on along the lines of you make what you want to do with uh, the university you have? Well, I strongly believe in the line you said, in the latter line you said more. It strongly depends on how you use your opportunity in your university. As for people who think that they don't get the best experience staying here, I believe it's mostly because of two reasons and not because the university is here. Well, firstly, it really depends on the fact that when you change your environment as a whole, the experience is different and that makes you feel different entirely. So for a person who went abroad from here would feel that the outside world has better experience because it does, because comparatively, it's an entirely new experience for them. Perhaps someone who shifted from the United States to the United Arab Emirates would say the same thing about staying in US because they might feel bored doing university in the country they've resided in for years already. So that could be one of the reasons as well. And the other reason is UAE hasn't exactly been a hub of higher studies for like really long periods of time. It mostly has branches of other global universities and as far as branches of other universities are concerned they really differ from the actual university and these things are still growing in many nations and i believe these these universities will further improve ahead but yeah i don't think to say that staying in ua gives a worse experience compared to other countries i think that statement is not entirely correct right yeah i think yeah what you said is pretty uh I think it's like because most of us these days don't get much of an option like especially in terms of like the money you might have to pay for anywhere really abroad uh, so I think this could like um, be useful for many 12k students who have to kind of explore the college landscape Arjun do you have a question uh, yeah I actually do have one question for Aman uh, Aman I have one question do you think it really you have one question yes I do okay. have one question does it really matter how competitive university you go to? Will it will it affect any of the opportunities you have as an adult getting jobs? Uh, also, is it does it matter the quality of something other than education? Of course, quality of education will matter, but the quality of maybe a campus or maybe other things that are important to college life. Well, to be very honest, since I don't want to beat around the bush, since I haven't really began my university yet, I don't feel like I'm an expert to answer that question. But if we look at how time has changed things, earlier 
there was greater importance given to what university you graduated from because they gave more focus on quality of education compared to other universities. However, now with changing demand and what skill sets are required in people, you can see that the employment criteria for most employers now depends on how interviews go and how an applicant is able to present themselves more than where their degree is from. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. I, I think I think this is this is a, a good place to kind of close it. Do you have any closing remarks to for our lovely audience? Well, with all of this there, the only closing remark I'd say is there is no one correct pathway. There's multiple routes to where you want to get to and make sure whatever you do, you have a progressive and growth mindset. And yeah, with that ideology and with you following all your passions and dealing everything patiently while also putting effort, God willingly, you'll end up in the place you want to be or even better. Right. Thank you so much, Aman, for being a guest for the talk. And uh, yeah. Uh, hope to hope to get you on another time when we don't have so many technical issues. Thank you so much for joining. Thank you everyone for tuning in and until next week. Thank you.